Three and a half million Aussies have benefited greatly from JobKeeper payments over the last six months. These payments were designed to keep staff attached to employers while the business's income was down due to coronavirus. Now it's early October, JobKeeper version one has officially run out. However, it's been extended for some people at a reduced rate. For others, it has just ended. There are many who will now be facing a change in their financial experience and the reality of having to face up to life after government support and protection from loss of income. The COVID bubble has burst. Hi, I'm David Wright, host of the podcast series Succeed With Money and founder of the Spending Planners Institute. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Carolyn Mose, the money lady. You know, nobody fails with money on purpose. So every week in this podcast, we're exploring the causes of money stress and the solutions so our listeners can succeed with money. Carolyn, I'm sure spending planners will be very capable of helping people face up to their new income reality. But what have spending planners been dealing with at the coalface over the last six months? Can you give us an update? Sure, David. Um, you know, right at the beginning of COVID, I, I had a couple of clients who came to me with different stories. And, um, and the first one that came to me was um, a young couple with four kids and her husband had just lost his job and yeah. her income had been reduced by half. And so she had a spending plan in place. We'd been working together for quite some time. She had her plan in place and her question was simply, what do I do now? How do I make this work, right? Yep. Now, thankfully, right at the beginning of COVID, um, we were given moratoriums on mortgages and loan payments and that sort of thing. That's so, a big word, moratorium. Moratorium. So <laughs> moratorium was basically, you don't have to pay your Stop mortgage paying. for the next six months, right? Yep. yep. So we, we helped her out with that. She stopped paying her mortgage. She took advantage of that. And we set up her plan. It took us about 15 minutes to set up a new plan for her. And she was like, oh, my goodness, I didn't realise how easy it would be to live on half an income. And I, yep. so off she went. She was happy, you know. And I think, David, um, many of our clients were um, did take advantage of that. But then you've got a number of people actually had the opposite effect where their income actually increased due to yeah. JobKeeper, okay, yep. um, which was really interesting. So um, for those people, some of them took advantage of the extra payments that they'd been given by the government um, to pay down debt or to do, you know, I, I knew of someone, you know, who worked for 22 hours a week and she benefited from JobKeeper um, to the tune of about $4,500 in just this last six months. Wow, so, that's yeah. pretty cool. So Yeah, um, yeah, I know. I, I guess it, it, everybody sort of treated that differently. Some people would have gone, this is pretty scary, coronavirus, um, you know, never been really confronted with such a a confronting experience before and they've gone mm, and saved mm. every cent that they could yeah other yep. people have and statistics have shown that i think australians i saw a statistic the other week our our unsecured debt which had been steadily climbing for, for the last 20 years or, or more mm, has suddenly mm. dropped by 20 or 25 percent in the last six months yeah that's huge um, hey 
Yeah. Massive, because we were talking billions and billions of dollars in un- like in credit card debt, mm. and it's mm. just people have suddenly gone, uh, yeah, no, having lots of debt hanging over my head is not a good idea. Mm. Um, mm. So from a spending planner's point of view, where you know we're always encouraging people to be responsible financially, mm-hmm. um, it, it looks like there are definitely <laughs> there's evidence of people being responsible with their money out there right now. Oh, um, absolutely. And even for some of those spending planner clients, David, I know that for many of them who still did have debt, they took that opportunity to get rid of that debt, to pay it down totally, you know, while yep. they had the opportunity to do it. Yep. Yeah. Well, there were people that pulled the $10,000 out of super once or twice before mm-hmm. the end of the financial year. And, and I know some of those people are probably nervous because they went and spent it on I think there was alcohol and shopping with a too high a spe- oh, uh, spend. Alcohol and, and gambling. Gambling. Gambling, was, that's was, right. Yes. It was too, yes. Yes, um, yes. But that just stunned us, yep. <laughs> it did. But there was also a large percentage of people who used that to just knock off their credit card debt mm-hmm. uh, because yep. they realised that having debt was one of the biggest risks that they could be carrying in such an uncertain time. Mm-hmm. But yep. I, I guess the third group. So there's some people that saved it, some people that paid off debt. Mm-hmm. There were people. There was there was certainly a percentage of people who just went, "Oh wow, I've got extra income," and they've just gone shopping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- and they've just, just gotten used to having extra money because there was seven hundred and fifty dollars a week uh, when previously their income wasn't that much, and they've just in- well that lady that you mentioned four and a half thousand dollars. Mm. Yep. Yep. Know, that would be a good reduction in credit card, but it could also have been a lovely change of lifestyle temporarily. <laughs> well, absolutely. You know, brand new TV, new lounge, new, you know, new whatever for the house. And I know a lot of people did go shopping, David. And the thing is, um, you know, at the same time, we were encouraged by the government to support local business. And some of those government incentives were literally to go spend money to stimulate the economy, you know. Yep. Um, and, and people did quite happily do that. But the thing <laughs> so, the thing that, that shocked me, I guess, is that it's like any pay rise. You know, when and we've often said in the past, when you get a pay rise, where does that extra money go? And generally it just disappears into the great it, abyss, it you know. Vaporises, yep. Yeah. And this is what happened to a lot of people. They got this extra money from the government in their pay packet and it might have been two, three hundred dollars extra a fortnight, and it just simply disappeared. Yep. You know? And so people got used to it. And so, you know, now we're in a position where hello. Bubbles about the, to burst, guys. The bubbles about to burst. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just yeah. going to comment. You know, we telling people to be responsible with their money, and that's not exactly the opposite of what the government wanted people to go shopping. So, mm-hmm. yep. You know, yep. But anyway, I, I'm still going to stick to our advice that um, shopping might be what the economy needs, but individually, people need to get rid of bad debt and make sure they're in a position where life throwing curve balls at them isn't going to bring them unstuck so mm-hmm. yeah all right so yep. the facts are that the fifteen hundred dollars a fortnight that people have been getting on JobKeeper, now that we've gone past the 27th of september as of the 28th of september if and i think there are new rules new qualifications for 
JobKeeper version two. Mm, uh, but yep. the fifteen hundred's dropping to twelve hundred a fortnight if yep. you work more than twenty hours, and if you're working less than twenty hours, it's dropping to seven hundred and fifty a fortnight, which is basically half of what it was. Yep. Yeah, but that only takes us to January twenty third. What happens after that? Yep. So then that twelve hundred then drops to a thousand and six hundred and fifty instead of the seven fifty, and that then only goes up until the end of March twenty twenty one. So you know, JobKeeper is tapering off, and now people who've been enjoying life on government support are about to get a real dose of reality, David. <laughs> Yeah, and we can laugh laugh about that, but it might not be so funny. Um, no. Actually, did I say January the 23rd or January the 3rd before? I'm not sure what I said. But anyway, it's January the 3rd, January 2021, yep. that the, the second reduction kicks in. So, yep, yep. Um, question then, when is the other side of coronavirus? Um, there are people who would be thinking what's when we get a vaccine. Uh, there would be people who would be thinking... Uh, when life goes back to normal but i would like to say that it's probably or we should decide that it is right now Mm, mm. yeah i I think so i don't think we we may never really see the end in inverted commas of coronavirus or the, the other side of coronavirus you know it could be years down the track david so there's no point waiting i agree with you we need to start thinking okay we're now on the other side of coronavirus we need to start making some plans and changes. Yep. You know. and, and considering that the government handouts, and, and I know some people don't like us talking about government handouts because they always feel like it's an entitlement, but um, it's definitely been a government in, uh, stimulus to keep people connected to their employer so when everything settles down, we can get back to as much of the previous normal as possible. Yeah, and I, do you know what, David? I mean... No matter what side of politics you're on, you know, um, our Prime Minister Scott Morrison said just very recently, job seeker and job keeper are not do-nothing payments. They're designed, <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're simply payments. And see, a lot of people do believe they have an entitlement to a government handout, but they're not do-nothing payments. They're payments that support people's incomes. They're not designed to prevent them from going out and seeking work. Right, yep. And I know that might upset some people out there that we've said that, but in essence, you know, that's JobKeeper, you know, I believe has given many people a false sense of security. We, we talked about this just a couple of podcasts ago where, where there were employers having difficulty with their staff not turning up for work because they yeah. didn't get paid to stay home. So. Yep, yep. Yep. And yet I know I know people from our generation, mm. one person in particular who I can couldn't won't name but I could, who refuses to ever accept any government money in any way, shape or form, mm. never has, and the intention is never will. Yeah. And so if I'm I'm almost certain that if he had received some job keeper money, he would have gone out and picked up rubbish on the side of the road rather than just get that money for nothing. Mm, yeah, because there's a yeah. principle that he's kind of like I don't want something without having worked for it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know, um, it, you know, it's it's all about having that work ethic, isn't it? And it's like we said, you know, a few weeks ago, where um, employers couldn't get their employees to come to work because yeah. they had this sense of entitlement that oh well, government's giving me money, I don't need to go to work. 
um, I'm going to stay home. Well, you know, the, the, the reality is that at the end of COVID, when they want their job back, their job is not going to be there. Well, if I was a boss and I had people go, I'm not turning up for work while I'm on JobKeeper, mm, about mm. now I'd be giving them their marching orders. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'll find someone who actually wants who to be on the job work. every day. Yeah, uh, yeah, somebody who does want to work. Yep, yep. But yeah, job seeker, job seeker and JobKeeper were payments to support people while we sort of went into that chaos, mm, um, mm. but not designed to prevent them from going out and seeking work. So No, that's right. That's right. And I'm going to say, you go. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I guess, David, you know, and, and in, in saying that a lot of people will say, oh, well, there's, there's so many people unemployed now and it's so hard to get work. But the thing is, and I think we, we have learned so much during COVID. And one of the things that I think we've learned during COVID is how to get creative about earning money. You know, and there are many ways that people have used to actually earn money and to get by during COVID, even when they've gone, they've fallen on these hard times. You know, there are so many ways to um, to actually earn money. And they've created in that time during COVID, they've created some amazing new habits, some good and some maybe not so good. Yeah. so, David, I know, and, and I know one of the bad habits, actually, that um, I know the media has really taken on board as well, is the, because I know there were many, many, many parents who were working from home and schooling from home as well, because their kids yeah. were home with them. And they, so that weekly, a couple of glasses of wine on a Friday or Saturday night became the daily, oh my goodness, I need a glass of wine after a day. <laughs> with, every with, day. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. And so, um, you know, wine became daily wine, became a bit of a habit, you know. So, mm-hmm. and I, I know, David, just talking about habits, I know that you and your wife created a new little habit. Maybe, oh, maybe, it's, maybe it's, not a COVID habit, but it was a new habit. Is nothing sacred? <laughs> no, no. I'll tell you in, in confidence a little story and in the middle of the podcast, <laughs> up you come. So thanks I, very much for that. I well, like the story. All right. It's a good story. So, so we, we, well, you were to, just to, for our listeners to get everything into perspective, Carolyn and I were talking about how habits develop and because we were getting, you know, we... We, we do our podcast once a week, but we talk about our podcast all week and we sort of, it, it's an ongoing thing that we discuss. So what are we going to talk about and what are the angles that we won't discuss? And we were talking about how habits come about. And I just happened to mention that I was sent to the local, I think, supermarket to get something and I walked down the chocolate aisle, which is very fatal, you shouldn't do that, and... <laughs> Chocolate bars were on special, like they were about 25% the normal price. And so I thought, oh, look, just as a little treat, I bought one of my wife's favourite and my favourite, and I went home and said, hey, babe, I bought the stuff you wanted. Oh, and I got some fruit. And I put these two chocolate bars in the fruit bowl. And at the time, she didn't take much notice of me saying I'd bought some fruit. But then later, she came into the kitchen and she said, what's this in the fruit bowl? I said, I told you I bought some fruit. And she just laughed because I was obviously just having a bit of a joke. So anyway, next time she was out shopping, she thought, well, I'll keep the joke going. She went and bought some chocolate bars. She came home and said, I bought some fruit. 
and plonk these chocolate bars in the fruit bowl. And so that was the beginning of a habit because then it was kind of like an ongoing joke that when I, either of us were going out to the shop, she'd say, oh, well, you pick up some fruit. <laughs> and, and before you know it, this joke has turned into we've eaten a lot more chocolate in the last few, oh, last month or so than we probably have for a long time because of a, a silly little joke that just started that's now become a habit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... That's how, but but I think you're talking about coronavirus habits and drinking the, a glass of wine every night instead of every Friday night. Well, I am, I am, and I know, I know. I just thought it was a cute story, and I wanted you to tell it. So there you go. <laughs> everybody knows. Everybody is going to be buying fruit for their their yeah, other half now. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I bought some fruit today, Dale, because David yeah, told yeah. me I could. You know. <laughs> um, Do not so. try this at home. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, David, yes. So during COVID, we have created some good habits, some maybe not so good habits. But, um, you know, and maybe one of the good habits that people have developed is um, the habit of paying debt, realising that with that extra money, they can actually pay down debt and get ahead. Great habit. You know, I love that habit. Um, The other good habit is, you know, people have developed skills in home renos and handyman tasks. I know that the local Bunnings store, their sales have gone through the roof in the last six months, apparently, um, because everyone's had more time and and more, you know, energy. They haven't been able to do anything else or go anywhere. No holidays, no shopping, no nothing. So, um, yeah. and Stuck in the yard, might as well do that project that we've been putting off forever. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And they've got that little bit of extra money. So, yeah, put it toward the house and, you know, increase the value of your home and that sort of thing. So, um, and I know that and even for... Home home cooking? Home cooking. There's, there's been an increase in home baking and that sort of thing, you know, yeah. and, and giving getting the kids involved because the kids have been home and that might be part of their home ec for school yeah. or whatever, you know. So there's all manner of, of great habits that have been developed during COVID. And, you know, so what we're looking at now is we've said that let's let's say today we're on the other side of COVID. What are we yeah. going to do now to keep the good habits and undo the bad habits that we've developed over the last few months? Well, maybe I should joke jokingly go and buy some real fruit and come home and say to my wife I bought some real fruit today Dale because we're on the other side of COVID now <laughs> and when she comes looking for a chocolate bar and finds an apple and an orange she's going to go oh okay <laughs> oh fine we're on the other the bubble has burst here we go yeah. we're having apples and oranges instead of chocolate bars yeah yeah yep. S- seriously though yep. um we quite strong possibility that people's lives have changed and there is a new normal and and you know i think it's amazing the number of people who who i've spoken to and i think you have too who've said i really like some of the changes that have been forced upon us and we really like having family time and being at home and yeah and don't really want some of these new habits to go away Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I actually had a client say that to me just today. She said, you know, um, I, I don't want this bubble to burst. I kind of like my bubble that I'm in. And I said, yeah, I know what you mean. I said, if I never see another shopping centre, it'll be too soon. You know, I'm, I'm really enjoying the fact that I don't have to go to a shopping centre. But it's interesting, you know, because um, we were talking about, so now that 
we're on the other side of COVID and we want to look at ways of continuing good habits, saving money, paying down debt, doing that sort of thing, you know. Um, And I, we were talking about, and she actually said to me today, now these guys, they've got two teenage boys, right? And they were spending $350 a week on food. And she said to me, okay, so... I don't know whether that's excessive. Like, is that in 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 your opinion, or in you know, with you working with clients, what would be the average on food? And I said, you know what? I said it would vary. And I know you've got a you've got a story about that. I, I do, and it, it came out of that exact same question. I mean, I used to send out very regular newsletters to a, a very large database, and people would send me all manner of questions. And I had this one woman emailed me and said. You know, my my family spends. I think it was something like two hundred, three hundred dollars a week at the butcher. Mm-hmm. And she said, and and I've been trying to convince the. I think she had all like a husband and all sons, so, and they were teenage sons, so they were consuming vast quantities of meat. Yeah. And she was trying to convince them that they were over the top with their spending, and she asked me what what was normal, similar to what you experienced today. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, I used to travel around Australia regularly, running training workshops. Um, where I would have, you know, a dozen, 20 people in a room. And I, I decided to do a little exercise where I would hand out a piece of paper that had 20 average normal household kind of items on them, like, you know, groceries, um, butcher, petrol, insurance, all of the kinds of things that we would call bills. Mm. And I asked them to put down what they thought was an, a normal average reasonable amount for an average Australian family. So I said, I just want you to think of it. What do you think would be an average, you know, mum, dad and two and a half kids? Um, that sounds messy, doesn't it? Two and a half kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I said at the start of the exercise, after I'd done it a few times and I started to get a feel for what was going to happen, I said to people, I will guarantee that when we add up the results of this and, and collate the information, that there will be an eighty to a hundred thousand dollar a year difference between one person in the room who's got the lowest spend and another person in the room who's got the highest spend. So what I would do is I'd get them to fill in what they thought was the reasonable amount, tally it up to a yearly amount, and then all of those sheets of paper which didn't have names on them were just handed all over the place so nobody had to feel embarrassed when they called out a number because it wasn't their number. And I would write them up on a whiteboard and just about without fail, the lowest in the room would be around about $40,000 a year and the highest in the room would be up around $140,000 a year. Mm, yeah. So basically somebody in the room thought that spending $140,000 a year on those 20 normal average old household experiences was, was realistic. And somebody else in the room thought that 40000 was realistic and everybody else was somewhere in between. So what does that tell you? It tells you that we have such a vast difference in what we think is acceptable, normal, um, you know, except, I guess acceptable is the word. Mm. And, you know, that lady asking you what what's normal Everybody has their own normal, but mm-hmm. when you get the reality of finding out that somebody else thinks forty grand is normal and somebody else thinks one hundred and forty grand is normal, yeah, yeah, it kind of makes you think. Well, hang on, maybe I should just have a rethink. 
Mm. Yeah, that's right. And do you know what? And I mean, like we talked about, there's there's a lot more home baking and home cooking happening, and we're and we're not reliant so reliant on, you know, Uber Eats and and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Maybe we're more reliant. On, I don't know. But but you know, I I've been watching the news. And on the news, I know, and I said this to you the other day, that they have each night they will show a little cooking segment that says, you know, you can feed um, a family for $5 a person. Yeah. And, and and you mentioned that the other day, and you, I think you said $10, $10 a meal for a meal? No. no uh, oh, sorry. You know, five. Yeah, five, or $5 a person. And I said, but that's. Head, yeah. yeah, and I said, but that's $20 for a meal for a family of four. I said, I can feed a family of four for half that, you know. Which made me go, okay, yeah. tell me about it. Well, tell that's me about right. it. <laughs> and it, yeah, exactly. And then, um, so, you know, and just on that note, I can tell you that how, how much I saved a client by introducing her to the good old slow cooker, right? Yeah. And, and how much food you can cook in a slow cooker and using cheaper cuts of meat and you know whatever um and you can actually feed a family of four easily and I actually have a recipe book if anybody's interested in my recipe book and I can show them how to do that but would that be Carolyn's cookbook (laughs) (laughs) well yeah from from you know 40 years I'm I'm the new Margaret Fulton Right. For, right for those yeah. those listeners out there who remember Margaret Fulton, um, yeah. then you know I'm I'm the Go- new Margaret. Google her if you don't know. Yeah, her. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, but anyway, I I was actually um, the other way. Well, one other way that I always save money on my shop, and where this woman said three hundred and fifty a week. I said, well, there's only two of us in our family. You know, we don't have young children anymore. But I said, I don't spend more than $100 a week on, on food for two of us. And she yep. said, I don't know how you do that. And I said, well, I said, the other thing I'm big on is not wasting time, using my time oh, to the max. You were telling me the other day how you were at the hairdresser mm-hmm. <laughs> ordering your groceries. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if I've yeah. got to sit at the hairdresser for two hours, then I'm not going to sit there and read a trashy magazine, David. I'm going to sit there on my phone <laughs> and do my Coles online shopping. And, you know, at the end of that time, I'm going to go do my click and collect and take my shopping home and then I'm done. You know, it's just Note, like... note to our listeners, this is not a Coles commercial. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, do your woolies or what? I don't care where you shop, but, you know. Do it online, whatever you do, because you save a whole heap of money doing it online. And I always give myself a $100 limit and I try and get, and it's a bit of a game I play with myself that I try and get as close to that $100 as I possibly can, you know. Um, why, why is that? So you get free delivery? or, or um... Well, you do get free delivery, but I often do a click and collect anyway. But you do right. get free delivery for um, for $100. So if I spend $100 and 47 cents, I'm really, really happy. Yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, you know. So, so you sound like you're the miser from way back. Well, absolutely. And probably, David, because, you know, I came from that generation of of people, you know, who came through the depression. And, and I know you'll say the same well, thing, I, the old waste not, want not. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't think you came. Well, your parents and my parents came through the 1930s depression. My, my yeah. dad was born in 1927 and my mum was born in 1929. So their early, earliest formative years 
and, and I know both of my grandparents had good jobs. One was a school teacher and one was a bank manager. Mm-hmm. And so they, they were fortunate in that they had employment, but they were basically told all the time how lucky they were to have an income and to have food and don't waste anything because there's some other people who are going without. Mm-hmm. So it would be irresponsible to waste anything. And that whole waste not, want not, save up, pay cash, that that generation passed on to us but then I think every generation since then, it's kind of diluted to the point where I think now, well, up until coronavirus, it was kind of like, ah, oh, just free living and spend, 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 and who cares about tomorrow because there'll be mm, more money tomorrow. Mm, yeah, yeah. And well, we've really been lulled into a false sense of security and complacency. It's, oh, well, we've, we're in a crisis and, and the government's going to help us out, so we don't have to do anything to help ourselves. But... The thing is, not ever, and I know there are countries in the world who, um, whose governments have given them nothing, right? Yeah. And and these people have really struggled. We are literally living in the lucky country where our government has chosen to do that for us. Well, you know? that's an interesting thought. You imagine if JobKeeper had not been offered here in Australia, what would have happened? And I think people really need to take a, a long, hard look, think, mm-hmm. think, yep. have a good hard think about just how lucky we are in this country and what life would have been like without JobKeeper. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yes, yep. our children and our grandchildren will be paying for it for years to come because of the hundreds of billions of dollars that, that have been thrown mm. at it yep. so that we haven't had to suffer. But I think we really need to appreciate what we've been lucky to receive. So we have hit a brick wall with coronavirus and a lot of people obviously have gone, whoa, I've got to get rid of my debt. That's obvious. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about saving up at least three months worth of buffer. Yep. So that if something, you know, unemployment, coronavirus, something like that happens, mm-hmm. you're on the front foot, not the back foot, so that we're not going to be falling into a dependency on government handouts all the time. I know. And the thing is, David, and we know from past experience, you know, this is not the first crisis we've been through and it certainly won't be the last you know? Well, that's right. You and I, at the great old age of 63, am I allowed to say it now anyway? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, we've, I mean, I can remember Black Wednesday in 1987, was it? Yes, 1987, when the stock market crashed. Right, yep. I yep. can remember the, the, uh, the recession we had to have. I mm-hmm. can remember the, the global financial crisis. Yep. And now the coronavirus. So there's four major and i think i even do remember in 1970s there was the Suez crisis or some there was a an oil yes. shortage and the world mm. went into chaos so yep yep there's probably six that i i can recall in so it's about every 10 years isn't yeah, it yeah i was going to say six in six decades that's pretty good Yep. Yeah, so yep. about every 10 years. So mm. in that case, then we can party for the next <laughs> nine and a half. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, David, here's a better idea than party, okay? Like, let, let's organise the party, but let's, let's organise it so that we're prepared for the next crisis, okay? I think that really does make a lot of sense. <laughs> and there's no better time like now to start preparing for even if it is 10 years from now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because if you just save a few dollars a week over 10 years that certainly adds up to being a decent amount of money yep yep absolutely so really it boils down to david um if 
and there are many people, 3.5 million, I think we said at the beginning, who have yep. fallen into dependency on government handouts. So those government handouts are about to stop. The bubble is about to burst. Now is the time to change. Yeah, even if they're going to get um, JobKeeper 2, it's tapering off. Now is a really good time to go, let's put an insurance policy in place in, by virtue of stashing some money away mm-hmm. and let's generate really good habits of shopping online so we don't do impulse purchasing, mm-hmm. buying the slow cooker and, and getting the cost of meals down to $2.50 a meal per head mm-hmm. and just being waste not want not minded mm, mm. and really conscious of the fact that money doesn't grow on trees yep although i know yep. we talked recently about how it does grow on trees but <laughs> i was going to say we did well it's been growing on trees for the last six months for the job keeper payments, <laughs> well it? it has a little bit yeah that's right yep so yeah. and i think it's really important that people start to look at what they're spending and put a plan in place for their money and so that they're spending less than they're earning, right? Yep. And they've got, as you say, they've got that emergency account, three-month buffer, um, so that when the next crisis happens, they're prepared for it, you know. The other thing, too, I think people have learnt during um, coronavirus is how to um, have a side hustle and find other ways of earning money, selling things, yeah. you know, getting out and doing odd jobs for people and, you know, buy a lawnmower, start a lawnmowing run, whatever. Yeah. You know, interesting thing, you know, like people who go to work and don't like their job but keep doing it because they need the income. I did that for 20 years as a school teacher. I, I hated I disliked the job immensely, not everything about it, but there was a lot about it that made me just, I wake up in the morning and think, oh, do I really have to do this? Mm-hmm. Now I wake up in the morning and I, it's just like I can't wait to do my day because I love what I do now. Yeah. And it all yeah. happened because I started a side hustle, as, as yeah. people call it now. Yeah, a, yeah. A and seriously, a, a side hustle is simply something that you're passionate about. You know, everyone exactly. is passionate about something. I, I've always been passionate about money and helping people and whatever. Spending planning is just fits the bill for me perfectly because I'm a bit like you. I get yep. up in the morning to my spending plan a day and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I love my job. <laughs> it's such a great yeah. feeling when you know that you've helped somebody with what is almost, the, if not the most important, the second most important thing in their life in getting through their life because every day... People juggle three things. And, and, you know, last week I interviewed Chris Freeman. Chris Freeman introduced me to the thought that everyday people juggle money, time and relationships. Mm. They're the three. They're the big three things. And if you try and think in your day, what else is it that you have to work, juggle? You know, money, yep. time, relationships. If it's kids, it's relationships. If it's paying the bills, if it's money... If it's yep. Russian here, there, and everywhere to get the kids to ballet and swimming and school, it's time. So yep. Yep. they're the three things. Yep. Um, and mm. if, if you can be enjoying what you do, and my mate's old grandmother used to say, boys, if you if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And, mm-hmm. and she was spot on, you know. So yeah, absolutely. Start yep. a side hustle based on something that you like doing. Yep. Who knows where it might lead? Yep. And, and do it now. Don't wait. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, a lot of people learnt during COVID that one of the most important things that you can do is pay down debt, get rid yep. of your debt. Well, it's obvious and people have been doing that, so mm. let's hope they keep to yeah, do that. Yeah, fantastic. Yep. So, you know, 
don't bury your head in the sand. Now's the time. It's all about to change. COVID bubbles burst. Um, get some help if you need it. If you can't do it on your own, that's what we're all about. Spending planning. Spending, spendingplanning.com yep. is where you need to go. Yep. That's a little commercial for spending planners, but I think it's appropriate at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, well, as I said, we're all so passionate about what we do and, and we're yeah. just all about, you know, helping people get ahead, you know, plan the next 10 years, you know, look at your life now and, and make a decision. Do you want the same life you've got now in two years, five years, 10 years time, or do you want to make a change? Because now's well, the time. Yes, exactly. And change. how many people would feel like slashing their wrists if they thought that two years, three years, five years from now, their life was going to be exactly the same as it is right now? Yeah. Well, you know, you we, we weren't prepared for this year, were we? Last year, we weren't <laughs> thinking, oh, you know, 20, we're all going, oh, 2020 is going to be an awesome, amazing, wonderful year, da, 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 yeah. da. There you go. 2020. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. A bubble has burst, guys. A bubble has Tom. burst. All right, so we've heard a lot about bubbles over the last little while, but yep. they were about travel. Today, we wanted to look at the government handout bubble and being prepared for when that burst. I trust that our listeners have found this of interest today. Our sole purpose in doing the podcast is to help you to think about your own money journey and to motivate you to create a better one for yourself and your family. Spending planners will be your best friend when it comes to taking the first steps to creating a plan for a better day-to-day -day money experience. If you've got any comments to make about today's podcast or questions you'd like answered, you can message us via our Facebook group or send us an email admin at spendingplannersinstitute.com. If you're not a member of our Facebook group, I encourage you to join us. It's a great place to get answers for your innermost questions about money and everything is just, um, you know, we're, we're a great bunch, really helpful and, and everyone is really conscious of confidentiality and, um, you know, so search for Succeed With Money podcast within Facebook and request to join the group. Succeed With Money is a podcast series by the Spending Planners Institute. David and I look forward to chatting with you again next time when we'll be discussing another interesting topic relating to life and money because nobody fails with money on purpose. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye for now, everybody.